It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is going on, Panthers Nation? Hope you guys had a good weekend. Bill Rossetti back to you guys on a fresh week edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, where you can use the promo code Locked On at Built Bar to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. And I tell you what, guys, I got a chance to try Built Bars myself, and they are very tasty. Uh, these are protein bars that uh, you look at the numbers seven times fewer carbs, half the calories, and seven times uh, the fewer sugar grams and more protein. But they taste very chocolatey. It's not your run-of-the-mill protein bar that kind of tastes bad. These actually have good chocolate taste to them. Uh, I I got a chance to try, for one, the mint chocolate cream. And it was, it was very good. Uh, the mint was uh, a very nice touch. It wasn't overpowering. The chocolate was, wasn't overpowering. So these Built Bars are very delicious. I've got some other flavors I'm excited to try. Uh, so thank you to Built Bar for the uh, the sponsorship here. And again, all you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com if you want to try this yourself. Use the promo code Locked On and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. Special episode, actually special week starting today here on the network. It is another division crossover week. Actually, these next two weeks will be division crossovers this week. The, uh, or the, uh, the next two weeks will be division crossovers, excuse me. This week... We are crossing over, uh, all all the hosts of the NFC South here, crossing over with our friends over in the AFC West. It is interconference week, so we'll get a chance to catch base with all those guys. Starting today, we are going to share my crossover with David of Locked On Chargers. Very, very fun conversation there. We dove into... Uh, some stuff about the Panthers and got some good info on the LA Chargers. So it'll be the Chargers this week. Then tomorrow we will touch on touch base with the Las Vegas Raiders. Wednesday will be the Denver Broncos. And then we'll wrap it up Thursday with the Kansas City Chiefs. And then next week we touch base with the folks over in the NFC North. So very excited to touch base with all those guys. So with that... Here is my conversation, myself and David Drogmeyer of Locked On Chargers. Yeah, I guess we're going to, I guess it's just another segment of that. Yeah, all right. Sounds good then. All right. All right, guys, this is the start of the Ultimate Division crossover, and joining me today is Bill Rossetti of Locked On Panthers. Obviously, we are going to be playing each other this year. We haven't seen the Panthers in quite a while, and Bill, first of all, before we jump into things, how is everything? How is uh, everything in Pantherland? Uh, everything's going great. Um, hopefully, everybody down in Charlotte's staying safe. I know up here in PA, we're... Uh, 
we're kind of in the epicenter of uh, all this nonsense going on. But uh, overall, everything's going well, and uh, Panthers fans certainly seem to be excited about uh, kind of the direction of the team and this uh, this long term kind of rebuild that they're doing so uh it's it's a it's a fun time i'm excited to see what the what this team has in store with uh, the new head coach well as you alluded to uh they do have a new head coach and a lot of turnover so let's start there so obviously the panthers uh sent ron rivera packing and decided to go to the college ranks and pick up matt rule so first of all how do you feel about that decision how is it kind of you know how are the fans feeling about it there's a lot of turnover and it started with the head coach yeah, um, I, I love the Matt Rule coaching hire, Dave. Um, I got a chance to talk to him at the Combine and at the Senior Bowl, actually. I met him, too, and he's one of the nicest guys you can meet. He's just really cool and uh, just just seems so anxious to just get started. You know, he's uh, he, I think he's going to bring quite the quite the positive attitude and uh, just a, an amazing amount of um, of respect and, and whatnot. He's, uh, he's I think he's really going to do a great job with this team. Uh, fans really seem to be behind him. You know, there's definitely been some interesting moves throughout the offseason. But I, th- I think the overall thought is that uh, th- I think this I think Matt Rule is really going to help bring this Panthers team uh, to, to higher places. You know, it's going to be a, a slow rebuild to start. But I think fans are realizing that after a couple of years, I think that Matt Rule and his coaching staff can really help turn this team back into a contender because you got you know, a lot of good, I think he brought in a lot of good assistant coaches. Obviously, it starts with his offensive coordinator, uh, Joe Brady, who we just watched uh, orchestrate one of the, arguably the greatest Super young guy, offense. too, man. What's that? Really young guy. He really did, too. I mean, Joe Brady's, what, like 30 years old? I mean, I, I'm only going to be turning 30 in December. <laughs> and this guy's an offensive coordinator in the NFL. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for Matt Rule. I, I, like I said, I think he uh, he's going to bring a lot of a, a lot of pep to this team. And again, I think it's going to take a couple years, but um, it, it's it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, obviously a lot of turnover and, uh, you know, that also manifested in itself in the form of Cam Newton uh, getting kind of dismissed from the Carolina Panthers after nine or 10 years with them. And they traded Cam Newton for Teddy Bridgewater, signed him to a three year, $60 million deal. And it seems like they're definitely turning over the reins to Teddy. How did, how did you feel about that move when the Panthers did it and how are you feeling about it now? Yeah, the, the Teddy was uh, certainly a little surprising. I, I will make known. I kind of touched on this on the podcast. Uh, my good buddy, my good buddy Ben Albright, actually kind of tipped me off a little bit uh, down at the Senior Bowl that the Panthers had some interest in Teddy Bridgewater. So I wasn't a hundred percent surprised. Like in the back of my head, I'm thinking this was a possibility. But you know, at, at the time, it was still surprising that uh, they did go out and give twenty-one million dollars a year to. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and then ultimately releasing Cam Newton. But um, I've I've always been a fan of Teddy Bridgewater. You know, I've I've followed him. You know, through his time in Louisville, and when he had his his fall in uh, what was it, the 14 draft, I think, when he fell all the way to the end of the first round, I, I became a fan of his because I mean, obviously the the kid got dogged quite a bit, mostly for his pro day, which I hated seeing. You know, I I really liked his film. I, I thought it was a little unfair that he took the the negativity that he did from from his pro day. So I've been rooting for him ever since. And of course he had that injury, but he's done a real nice job 
building himself back. And we saw what he did with the Saints last year when Drew Brees was injured, going 5-0 and uh, in the games that he started. So he brings some experience. He, of course, has the connection with Joe Brady. And you saw the Panthers go out and get him weapons in free agency to you know, help him out. And when I got, got guys like uh, Robbie Anderson was obviously the biggest name. Uh, they gave Christian McCaffrey the extension and a couple other receivers, Farrell Cooper, Seth Roberts. Um, so they just went out and they, they're just trying to help Teddy Bridge, Teddy Bridgewater all they can. You know, it, it might be kind of a, a short term move because I can see uh, down the line, maybe another name comes in, but at least for, I would say two years, this is now one of your faces of the franchise in, in Teddy Bridgewater. So I'm excited to see uh, what what Joe Brady schemes with Teddy Bridgewater and, you know, all, all these weapons that they have for him. So, uh, I, like I said before, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a slow start, I think. You know, I'm not expecting a whole lot because everybody kind of needs time to gel. You know, there's going to be some, uh, growing you know, pains. some growing pains. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> See, great minds think alike, huh? Absolutely, man. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think the storylines here are going to be very interesting to follow. Well, and hey, I mean, these two teams already kind of got together and, and made a move before free agency even kicked yep. off. They uh, traded uh, the Chargers traded their left tackle Russell Okung to the Panthers in exchange for their right guard Trey Turner. So mm-hmm. when that deal kind of went down, what were you thinking, and what kind of what can Charger fans expect uh, getting in Trey Turner? Oh, Chargers fans are going to love Trey Turner. Look, you're, you're getting, I think, one of the better guards in the NFL. I mean, he was a, uh, you know, I, salary cap, I guess, had a little bit to do with this, even though the Panthers are taking on about 13 million, whatever the number is for Russell Okung. But Trey Turner is just awesome. You know, he's, he's a great guy off the field. And of course, we've seen his, his play on the field. I mean, you could argue he was the best offensive lineman the Panthers have had over the last couple of years, especially on the interior. So, um, and it, that's definitely an area that the chargers, I think needed help in was interior. Now. Yeah, that did give him, it did give the Panthers or excuse me, the chargers at the time, uh, a hole at left tackle. But, um, you know, they had, they had that hole at guard. Uh, cause unfortunately a couple of my favorites when they were drafted, uh, have not panned out for one reason or another. That was being a uh, force lamp and uh dan feeney so especially Trust me, you're not the only ones oh, <laughs> we're, oh, we're very sure. disappointed over here too oh i'm, I'm sure i'm sure listen I, w- I was a huge force lamp fan when i saw him uh, actually the first time i went down to the senior bowl in 17 so certainly disappointing that you know injuries and whatnot have hurt him but like i said trey turner uh chargers fans are gonna love him you know and uh especially for a team that obviously is in a little bit of a transition mode with uh, with Tyrod Taylor and now bringing in uh, Justin Herbert, you know, that interior protection for these kind of guys is, is going to be really critical. And I think adding him with, uh, you know, with that line, I'm, I'm I think uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what uh, what Trey Turner will bring to the table and how um, how that's going to help the confidence of guys like Tyrod Taylor or eventually whenever they put Justin Herbert in so but yeah Char- Chargers fans are going to be uh, should be very excited about this move well hey that's really good to hear before we jump into the draft there's a lot of rumors swirling around about the Chargers potentially picking up Cam Newton now should Charger fans be happy or upset that that phantom pursuit of Cam Newton never came to fruition yeah I, especially now when we're recording this that they're still hasn't been any traction on cam newton at all 
Um, I think Pant or I think Chargers fans uh, probably should feel pretty good about where they're at with their quarterback situation. You know, obviously there was all the talk of Cam Newton when uh, the hole was there and they didn't have Justin Herbert. Now at least you have that future. And I mean, you know, Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco obviously were saying all the right things over the last couple months leading up to the draft and that Tyrod's our guy and we love Tyrod, this, that, and the other thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we knew they were going to go quarterback in the draft. Um, and I, obviously the issue with Cam is that it's it's the injuries, right? You know, yeah. we say he's been we've, – we've heard he's been cleared, but um, I'm sure some of these teams want to really be 100% sure – about his health before actually signing to him to a contract. And obviously you can't really do that with everything that's going on. And to me, it's kind of telling that Andy Dalton gets released by the Bengals one day. And then basically what the next day gets, uh, gets signed by the Cowboys as a backup. And then um, if I, I'm trying to think, I, there was another quarterback, if I remember. All right, Jameis Winston. That's right. That's what I was trying to think of. Jameis Winston is now locked in as a backup as well. But, you know, Cam Newton is still out there and uh, Joe Flacco is still out there. So I think it's pretty telling that those guys are still in the market for as long as they are. Yet these other veterans got scooped up pretty quickly. So, you know, we say things happen for a reason. And clearly, I, clearly the Chargers not going after Cam there, there was a reason for it. I think they're pretty set now with uh, with the direction they're they're going in with their quarterback position. They seem fine that they could roll with Tyrod for a year or however long it takes till they get Justin Herbert ready. So, like I said, things happen for a reason, I guess. Yeah, no question about it. So, you know, speaking of things happening for a reason, the Panthers are 5-11, and 11, and when you look at the stats, there is definitely a glaring reason for that, and that was m- mostly on the defensive side of the ball. They gave up 143.5 yards on average. That's 29th in the league. Gave up 29.4 points per game, which is dead last in the league, and they gave up 374.5 yards total per game, which was 23rd. And if you look at their 2020 draft there, Bill, they obviously knew that that was a point of emphasis because for the first time in NFL history, they had an all defensive draft. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Um, and I think they said first time since like 85 that a team on either side of the ball went every pick on one side of the ball. Cause I think they said the 85 Browns went all offense, but Trey Wingo said it best. They had to fix the damn defense. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what they did. Listen, I obviously have no problem with them taking Derrick Brown. You know, he uh, for weeks now, when we were talking about that seventh pick, we've we had basically zeroed in on definitely at least two players. You know, we we talked about a couple more, but it really felt like the two players we had really zeroed in on were Derrick Brown and Isaiah Simmons. And sure enough. You know, both were on the board for them at number seven. And if it was up to you, who would who would you have picked, Isaiah Simmons or Derek Brown? Because I know there's a lot of people, especially like Panther Panther fans, were really high on Isaiah Simmons. So if you had to pick, which one would you have grabbed? Yeah, I I saw a lot of that on Twitter too. Honestly, I was a big Isaiah Simmons fan. Yeah. Um, and you know when we did the mock here for uh, the Locked On Network, we we did our own mock. Mm-hmm. I took Isaiah Simmons, and that was with Derek Brown still on the board, because 
you know, the Panthers, like you said, they needed just so much help on defense. And Isaiah Simmons obviously can play him all across the board, which was why it was disappointing to see that tweet saying uh, the Cardinals more or less are going to pigeonhole him as a linebacker, which uh, I do not like. I'd rather I'd obviously rather him move around kind of like a Teron Matthew. But, you know, yeah, you're limiting his abilities. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I, I think with the Panthers, you could have really done that. But in the end, it all worked out because they ended up getting essentially those two players. You know, if, if you think about it, you know, obviously not the full potential or, you know, the full readiness that you have in Isaiah Simmons. But you get a raw prospect that you can develop into a really nice um, movable chess piece, we'll say, uh, in Jeremy Chin who I was also a big fan of. I always considered him kind of the discount Isaiah Simmons. So while I probably would have taken Isaiah Simmons, like I said, I, I, it, it turned out to, it worked for the best. Because, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have thought that uh, Jeremy Chin would have been available at the end of round two for the Panthers to move back up. I thought maybe he would have gone a little bit higher. I thought uh, the Eagles were a possibility there uh, when they instead, of course, took uh, Mr. Jalen Hurts after they gave Carson Wentz $100 million guaranteed, but that's another story. <laughs> but like I said, it all worked out, so I have no problem with them taking Derek Brown because, like you mentioned, the rush defense was absolutely atrocious, and it, it, it definitely feels like, in the way Matt Rule was talking, Derek Brown is going to kind of be the, the foundation of this new look defense and they're going to start kind of building around him. Now they still have K1 short there, obviously, but I think he might only have a couple years left in Carolina. So this is eventually going to turn into the, the Derek Brown show. And we know how athletic Derek Brown was and uh, how he can just get after opposing quarterbacks. So it's going to be fun to watch him in this defense. And at least for a couple years, him and short are going to be a fantastic duo in the middle. Oh, no question about it. I mean, watching short from a distance i mean he is an absolutely incredible player and i think he's a guy that any defense would love to plug and play in the middle and just watch him work i mean i know as a charger fan we have solely missed someone in the middle before they went ahead and picked up linval joseph which i'm sure we'll talk about in the coming segment now before we switch over switch things over to the Chargers side of things. When we talk about this matchup coming up when the Chargers actually play the Panthers, I love what the Panthers did to address some things on the outside with Robbie Anderson and, you know, DJ Moore on the other side. And then of course you got the all world player and Christian McCaffrey. But my thing is, is I think the, they're going to have some trouble, you know, being able to access the middle of the football field. They don't really have a tight end option that I think would that would scare opposing defenses. So if I'm the Chargers, I'm going to try to take away your receivers on the outside and really try to make you beat us with McCaffrey and someone over the middle of the field. I think that's where they're going to struggle. Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up a great point. You know, their big weapons obviously are McCaffrey and then uh, Moore and Robbie Anderson. You know, Ian Thomas still has to kind of take that next step, I think, in developing. Uh, I think he just needs to be more consistent. You know, he's, he's he's shown flashes over his first two years, but he's never really been able to put together kind of a, a long streak of strong games. He would appear one week and then kind of disappear a little bit the next week. So we just want to keep him on, on a consistent level uh, if, if he's going to stick around. Now, again, that's that was another thing with the all-defense draft. You know, they did not take a tight end which I've said is, uh, you know, maybe a 
a good note toward Ian Thomas, you know, a sign of praise. Uh, they did sign a couple of tight ends uh, in undrafted free agency. I know they took Cam Sutton out of Fresno State. They took a kid out of uh, Western Michigan. But they seem to be pretty content with Ian Thomas as the number one. But again, un- until he really shows that he can be that consistent force in this offense, he you can make the argument that he's going to be one of the guys that you can be like, okay, we're going to make you be the one to beat us. And if you do great, if not, then we, then we did our job because we've shut down your other weapons. Yeah. Well, Hey, I think, uh, you know, charger fans definitely got a good snapshot of what to expect from the Panthers. And we're going to get into the chargers and flip things over to bill coming up right after this. As a reminder, today's episode of Locked On Panthers and Chargers Crossover is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, where you can visit BuiltBar.com to get $10 off your first box of Built Bars. They are the best tasting bar, real chocolate, uh, the mint chocolate cream is one of my favorite flavors, but this is a bar that uses actual chocolate, so it tastes great, and it has less sugars, and more protein than some of your other basic protein bars. So BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on, get $10 off your first box. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, and we are back here on the Panthers Chargers crossover. Bill and David coming at you guys. So we're going to flip the script here a little bit, talk about the L.A. Chargers, who, like we've we discussed here a little bit, have had an an interesting offseason themselves. Uh, Philip Rivers, of course, you know, and we'll just start right there, David. Obviously, the end of an era uh, after last season, Philip Rivers out after 16 seasons as Chargers quarterback. He's now with the Colts. Uh, Tyrod Taylor for the moment is in. And then, you know, we'll we'll touch on the draft a little bit more with Justin Herbert. But I, I guess we'll just start there. You know, what was it like for the Chargers and, uh, you know, that fan base over there when the Chargers came out and and said, yeah, we are not signing Phillip Rivers, basically saying this is the end of an era? Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of Charger fans out there that were very hurt and very sad and just uh you know, just uh, they understood, you know, the writing was on the wall with Philip. They went into the year without contract talks. And that kind of made you think, hmm, why aren't they, you know, trying to re-sign him now? Be- well, that's now we know it's because they wanted to wait for the year to kind of unfold. And it did. And it unfolded in the form of a 5-11 and 11 year where he throws, you know, 20, 20 plus interceptions and a lot of really ugly throws. Now it's not all on Phillip Rivers. And I think, you know, most people that watch the Chargers knew that, but he made a lot of really questionable decisions. And also, you know, if you think about Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco and the type of offense that Anthony Lynn wants to run, he really wants a mobile quarterback. He really wants a guy that can get out, extend plays, can do the run pass options, 
can maybe extend plays, run out of the pocket. Those are nothing that Phillip Rivers has shown that he is capable of doing. He is definitely the prototypical pocket passer. And uh, after the year he had, um, you know, like I said, the they were they went ahead and parted ways with him. And the then you think, well, where is he going to go? And the most logical place for him to go is a place where there's connections. You got Frank Reich, who was a former coach with the Chargers, and then you got their offensive coordinator. Uh, who was also a, a former coach of the Chargers, so there's a lot of familiarity there with the Colts, and it just made a lot of sense. He, he, Philip was one was going to go somewhere that had a really strong offensive line that would allow him to sit back there and pick defenses apart, which I think he showed that given time he can still make those throws. I don't think arm strength is an issue. It was just it was time for him to move on and the Chargers to move on. It was definitely sad because I'm a huge Charger uh, fan, a huge Philip Rivers fan. And obviously, you know, he was uh, uh, the benchmark for the Chargers for a long, long time. And so to see him go was definitely hard, but business is business. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely pr- pretty stunning when uh, when the news broke. But we knew when his uh, his free agency tour was coming, a lot of us, especially myself, kind of narrowed it down to two teams. One of them, of course, being the Colts, the other uh, was the Buccaneers. So, you know, going forward for Rivers, you know, you kind of touched on it. Um, you know, what are you expecting with Phillip Rivers now with the Colts? How far do you think he, he can actually take this Colts team uh, next season? Well, and I think if you look at the Colts, uh, I mean, no no slight to Jacoby. Uh, I'm sorry, what? That's Jacoby his name? Brissett, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no disrespect to Jacoby Brissett, but there's a giant difference between Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett. I mean, yeah, he's a little more mobile, but Philip's a lot more accurate, and he's extremely durable, and he's done it, and he's proven that he's been able to do it in this league for a very, very long time. So I think, like I mentioned, with them having that stalwart offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in the league, and they went out and got him a couple of weapons in the draft, I think they can go very far. I, I mean, that's really all I, I think that Phillip needs is just a, a, just time. That's all Phillip needs is time. I think if he's able to get in and mix with these wide receivers and get the timing down, he could still make the throws. So I would not be surprised if you hear the Colts, you know, in a wild card position or maybe even taking that division when it's all said and done at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the extra playoff spot now too, that, uh, that they'll be competing for. So I'm excited to see what rivers can do with Frank Reich and with the Colts, but you know, going back to the, the chargers quarterback situation. So we're going through the pre-draft process here. And like I alluded to earlier, uh, Anthony Lynn and Tom Telesco are really kind of saying all the right things, saying how much they really like Tyrod Taylor. As you're watching and hearing these guys talk about Tyrod, knowing in the back of your mind that the Chargers are probably looking at a quarterback with a sixth overall pick, how much were you actually believing that, uh, you know, about what they were saying about Tyrod Taylor uh, as as their guy going forward? Well, I mean, I think they have to say those things, right? right? I mean, they have to be political and they have to go out there and say, hey, Tyrod's our guy. We can't give him or anyone else any any indication that they were going to go in any other direction. But I truly do believe that Tyrod Taylor is definitely going to be the quarterback to start the year. It really just makes too much sense when you consider they bring in a rookie quarterback that, you know, 
say what you want about Justin Herbert, but he definitely has a lot of physical tools, and there was a lot of turnover at Oregon. I mean, he played under three different head coaches, three different offensive coordinators, and he still put up some great numbers and was fairly durable throughout his career. So I think what what situation would work best is to have Tyrod Taylor probably play out this year. And you look at those two players, they're very similar in the way they play the game. And, you know, they can go out, they can extend plays, they can run a little bit. They're pretty. They they protect they protect the football very well. Tyrod Taylor is one of the lowest uh, turnover rates in NFL history. So that's one thing he's going to do. He's not going to he's not going to lose you games. He's not going to necessarily go out there and win you games, but he is going to manage the game to where he can you can feel good about him putting you in a position to win a football game. But I think the best situation is for Tyrod to start this year. Let Justin Herbert learn under Tyrod Taylor and when Tyrod Taylor. Taylor's contract is up at the end of the year. That's when you go, all right, Justin, it's your turn. Let's see what you got, kid. Absolutely. And we'll we'll get to Justin Herbert a little bit more when we dig into the draft. But I want to touch on, you know, some of the other moves that they made this offseason too first, David. Um so we'll we'll go back to that trade that we talked about earlier. You know, you got my thoughts on Trey Turner. Let's reverse that. Give tell Panthers fans what they can expect out of and actually we'll make this too, because now the Panthers have two former a Chargers offensive lineman that likely are both going to start. So what are they getting in Russell Okung? And then what are they getting in Michael Schofield? Okay, so first with Russell Okung. Russell Okung last year had a very, very serious injury that had nothing to do with football. It was a pulmonary embolism. And, you know, when you have that type of injury, you know, basically it's a, you know, a blood clot, you know, that that is preventing him from going out there. And that has nothing to do with any type, any type of football injury. So that was not something he could control. He got a lot of ridicule for it, which is completely unfounded because there's nothing he could do about that. I mean, I'll put it this way. When Russell Okung is on the football field and healthy, he is one of the premier left tackles in the NFL. I think he, you could feel really good about protecting Teddy Bridgewater when he is on the field. We, I know that, uh, myself, Daniel, John, who is on our show occasionally, he definitely has a sense of calm when Russell Kung is out there on the field and whoever else is playing left tackle when he's not uh, is definitely a bit of a mystery and uh, very, very concerning. Uh, so he's a great player. He's a nasty uh, run blocker. He's a leader. He's a guy that's been in this league for a long time, had success for multiple different franchises. So if he's healthy and he can stay on the football field, I think Panther fans should be very happy and excited with what they're going to get with Russell Okung. He's going to instantly bring leadership, and he's going to bring professionalism at the left tackle position. And speaking of Michael Schofield, Michael Schofield uh, is just a professional right guard in this league. Tom Telesco was talking about Michael Schofield. He has never missed even a single practice while he was with the Chargers. This guy was a model of durability. He showed up every single day. He's not flashy, but he's going to get his job done. He is the consummate pro. You can expect to see him in the starting lineup week after week after week, and he's going to be a stable force for that Panthers offensive line. I think you got the Chargers' two best offensive linemen the last couple of years that are joining the Panthers this year. And not only that, but they also have the, the Chargers' former offensive line coach in Pat Meyer. So there's definitely uh, – and that probably helped lead to you know Michael Schofield signing with the Panthers, uh, kind of that uh, connection there. So, uh, you know, I guess talk about him too. What kind of coach are they getting 
in Pat Meyer on the offensive line. Well, Pat Meyer, uh, I don't think it's really an indication of his coaching style with the the players or the level of play that the Chargers offensive line has put out there the last couple of years. I think Pat Meyer has really done the best with what he is, was given, uh, and he wasn't really given a whole lot. I'll put it that way. There's a couple of veterans, but the Chargers have had an offensive line ranked in the bottom of the league probably the last six or seven years. But that was more of a product of here, Tom Telesco to Pat Meyer. Here's what I'm going to give you. Let's see what you can make out of it. Pat Meyer has been an offensive line coach in the in the NFL for 20 plus years. So you're definitely getting a guy with the wealth of knowledge and experience that I think will be able to bring a good dynamic to the Panthers offensive line. Just kind of touching to on kind of the other free agency moves as well, at least from players they got from outside uh, the Chargers organization. Obviously, the big name was Chris Harris that they signed from the Broncos, so really helping to beef up what was already a pretty good secondary. I think just gets even better now with uh, with Chris Harris. You uh, addressed the offensive line with uh, Brian Bulaga, brought in uh, Nick Vigil from the Cincinnati Bengals, and then you mentioned earlier uh, Linval Joseph at defensive tackle. So what were your thoughts on uh, the free agency moves that the Chargers have made, and how is this going to help this team going forward? So starting with Nick Vigil, I think it was just good to add some linebacker depth. I mean, linebacker is a position where you can never have enough quality guys to go out there because it's a very physical, violent position. So those guys get hurt a lot. So to have a guy in Nick Vigil who is, you know, he's just a, a decent linebacker. You know, he's progressed year after year with the Bengals. I think he's going to come in and bring some quality depth to that position with the for the Chargers. So that's definitely a good solid move, something that they have lacked in years past. They had a former Charger or excuse me, for, former Panther linebacker Thomas Davis last year. And yeah, he was very productive, got a lot of tackles, but he uh, was exploited in coverage quite a bit. I mean, got to give it to him. He's been in the league for many, many years and he did an admirable job. But the I think the whole point here is to get younger and Nick Vigil is definitely that manifestation. And then, you know, you go to Chris Harris Jr. This one's a little bit of a, I don't know, head-scratching move for me. I mean, you love the player. Obviously, Chris Harris is a dog. I mean, he's been in the league a long time, and he's been productive. But the Chargers have a pretty good slot corner in Desmond King, and he's a young guy. He's only been in the league a couple of years. So it was just a, a little concerning. But, hey, whenever you add more talent to the team, there's never a problem in my mind for that. And then the big move, I think, on the defensive side for me, which I think is going to help everyone else do their job better, is Linval Joseph. I think when you got a guy in the middle – that can provi- provide interior push and allow those dogs on the outside, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, one of the best pass rushing duos in the NFL to just get after it and not have to worry about, you know, getting pressure in the middle. I think that added uh, quality pass rush in the middle and just body. I mean, Linval Joseph is a massive man. He is a mountain of a man. This is a guy that can eat up double teams and he can split. You know, he's not as much of a pass rusher in his old age, but just to have a guy that can just clog up bodies and allow those two on the outside to work, I think that's going to make everyone on the defense better. Because, hey, when you have good quality pass rush, I think that makes everyone's job easier. When you get after the quarterback, you don't have to cover as long. You can tackle. I mean, it's just it makes everyone's job easier. So I think that was part of the move. And hey, Linval Joseph, even at his age, still a great run stopper. And then Brian Bulaga is the guy we've been pounding the table for ever since the Packers said that they were going to let him go. And when the pack, when the Chargers got Packers former offensive line coach and James Campen, 
I think the writing was definitely on the wall as far as them getting together and getting a deal done with Brian Bilaga. The Chargers have not had a quality right tackle for very, very for a very, very long time. So to see them bring in Brian Bilaga, a guy that played all 16 games last year, it brings you just a sense of of relief, you know, that they actually brought in a quality player that's going to be able to protect that right side. I mean, it's something the Charger fans have been calling for for many years. So very excited about the Brian Bilaga signing. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely one of the the big holes. And like, like you said, a great player to help fill that hole. So as we transition over to the draft now, we've obviously touched on Justin Herbert a little bit already. Um, what was interesting, too, is, you know, it seemed like the Chargers obviously felt comfortable with either quarterback, as I think Tom Telesco pretty much confirmed. I, I forget which radio show or podcast he was on. Pat McAfee um, show. OK, thank you. Yeah, Pat McAfee, my, our, our good buddy there. <laughs> <laughs> See if he goes on Monday Night Football, as has started to be rumored, which would be interesting if oh, that would be he's awesome, WWE man. as well at times. He's That'd everywhere. He's, 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 he just, is so, everywhere. he's so entertaining, man. I mean, I love watching him. <laughs> he is. He's a, he's a riot. Um, but yes, he was uh, Tom Telesco was on the Pat McAfee show and basically confirmed that uh, the Chargers would have taken Tua if the Dolphins took Justin Herbert. So how are you feeling going into the draft about these two quarterbacks? Do you think the Chargers got the better quarterback or at least the better fit or was it just kind of a they were in a win-win situation with where they were sitting? So when I watched tape, I mean, and my and Daniel included, we were both you know on the two attack of Iowa train, regardless of his injury issues. I think he's just the more talented football player, and I think his stats back that up. Also, you have to keep in mind, yes, he was thrown to pretty much four first-round picks over there at Alabama, but some of the things he was able to do on the field were incredible. His processing, his his touch. Uh, hit the way he leads running backs and receivers. I just loved the way he played the game, and I honestly wanted him over Justin Herbert. But now that we have Justin Herbert, you gotta love the the size of this kid. I mean, six six, two hundred and thirty eight pounds. You know, he, he's a hometown guy. He fought his way onto Oregon, played four years with them, was wildly productive as well. And you know, he's a very smart kid. He won the academic Heisman with over a four GPA. He went through a lot of turnover, like I mentioned before, with the three offensive coordinators, the, th- the three head coaches, three different offenses. So to see him be able to handle all of those challenges and still be able to go out there and perform at a pretty high level just shows the character of this kid and the durability. Obviously, durability was a big thing. Tom Telesco said as much before the draft actually took place. And I do think it was a situation to where they probably would have took Tua if he was available. But I think they were definitely happy with Justin Herbert. Like I said, they like what this kid brings to the table. He is a little bit of a quiet guy, but I think he's the way he goes about his business, he will earn the respect of the team as he starts to get in there and start to play football games for the Chargers. But, uh, I mean, I, I think I've gotten a little bit easier on the pick. Uh, I think I've, I've warmed up to it a little bit more. But I'm a guy who definitely lets those guys go out there and play and then judges them after that. I'm not a guy that's going to just immediately grade guys and, and that's it. I like those. I like to let those guys go out there and play and show me what, who they're going to be and then grade them accordingly. Yeah, that's why I love doing these uh these draft grades like right after the draft. It's like we're really only you know they're they're obviously fun to do and fun for you know clicks, 
but we're basically only doing these grades effectively on how we viewed the player, right? How, yes. How high we we graded the player. Um, but overall, looking at the, the Chargers draft, I thought they did a pretty good job. You know, they really attacked the uh, the offense. Uh, they got one of my favorite prospects, both on and off the field, in running back Joshua Kelly in the in the fourth round. I got a chance to talk to him at the Senior Bowl in the Combine, and the dude is just the the nicest guy in the world. Um, I even remember I'm walking through the the, the building in indianapolis and josh kelly is there just kind of getting warmed up because i think this was the day the running backs were getting ready for their bench press um and he see me he saw me he gave me like a handshake and a hug you know we chatted a few moments he's just he's just so awesome and i took in this press conference he's a great guy so at least if you ask me uh chargers fans should be very excited about uh, Joshua Kelly. He's a great player on the field, too. I mean, he had a ho- over 100 yards at the Senior Bowl. So the kid can play. Oh, uh, yeah. But, We're ecstatic to have him, man. I mean, and I'm, and I'm sure guy. you guys have gotten a lot. I mean, obviously, you guys are, like, right near there because he went to UCLA. So, obviously, I'm sure he's not really a surprise to you guys. But not, at least, not at all. <laughs> but at least from an outside perspective, that's probably good to hear, too, right? <laughs> no, that is. It's great to hear, man. Thanks for sharing that story. I mean, it always it speaks to his character and, and how he, he carries himself. And, I mean, also, Joshua Kelly is a guy who had to walk on to UCLA. I mean, he yeah. played he played community college before, and he was like, man, I'm just going to go go for it. And he bet on himself, and it worked out. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, and then he gets to stay home and play for the Chargers. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't really get much better than that. Absolutely. Um, and then overall, you know, they took they actually took two receivers, Joe Reed, who I think brings a lot of return value, KJ Hill at Ohio State, uh, the safety of Lohi Gilman. But obviously, I think I would even say the, the bigger move move they made, at least in terms of, you know, maybe like a, a power move, I guess we can say, if that makes sense, would be the trade up for Kenneth Murray because they sent what was it, a two and a three, I believe, to New England to move back into the first round to take Kenneth Murray. What were your thoughts on that trade? And, you know, now you've gotten a chance to kind of digest that pick a little bit. How does Murray fit in this defense? So first of all, I don't like doing business with the Patriots whatsoever. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm a Charger fan, so I mean, <laughs> I think all of us when we first heard that they were doing a trade with the the Patriots were like, Ugh. but uh, uh, obviously as a football move, and then you look at the guys they got, uh, one, this guy's an absolute monster on the football field. I mean, his speed, his sideline to sideline speed, they, they describe him as a run and hit linebacker, and I completely agree with that. I just love when you put on the tape, man, this guy is everywhere on the field, and the Chargers have sorely missed that. I mean, they thought they got that a couple years ago when they drafted Denzel Perriman, but Denzel Perriman hasn't been able to stay on the football field. And also he's had just some issues with production. So bringing in a guy who has who Tom who Tom Telesco and Anthony Lynn describe as a natural born leader and a guy that just has that ability to run sideline to sideline really shores up the middle of that defense. I think the Chargers have playmakers at the defensive line level now. Now they have it at the linebacker level, and they already had it at the safety level. So I really believe now they have playmakers at every level of the defense. And I do agree this was a power move, and I think this guy is going to quickly become a, a fan favorite for the Chargers. He's going to make a lot of plays. And to watch him play against play with Derwin James is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch this Chargers defense. And so when these two teams get together, uh, it, it's going to be a really fun matchup. I think the Panthers will definitely have their hands full, I think, with this Chargers team whenever that game comes around. 
Yeah, no question about it, man. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I think they're, they're going to have, obviously, like every other team, is going to have some trouble stopping Christian McCaffrey because that guy's just amazing. I mean, the thing he's things he's able to do on the football field and, and still be able to stay healthy and stay productive, it's incredible to me just to, to see that type of pr- production and to see that he finally was able to get his due and get paid the money he so uh, richly and rightfully deserves mm-hmm. was definitely good. Uh, from our perspective. So I think obviously when we talk about the matchup, you know, limiting, you know, Christian McCaffrey, cause you're not going to stop him. Just limiting him as much as possible is definitely the key to success for the chargers on defense going up against the Panthers. Because if this guy gets going, I mean, he can take over a game, whoever he plays against. Absolutely. And I think on the Panthers side of the ball is, I guess we'll kind of, you know, wrap it up a little bit here. Um, you know, for the, for the Panthers, when we get to this game, um, I think getting to the quarterback is going to be so important because you really don't want to let whether it's Tyrod Taylor or if, say it's late in the season and they've decided to give Justin Herbert a shot, whatever the case may be. You got to get to the quarterback because you can't let this guy, especially with the offense that they want to run now, to, that they're really going to sling the ball. You don't want to let Keenan Allen beat you. You don't want to let Mike Williams beat you because you can argue that the Chargers have two of the best route runners and definitely one of the best wide receiver duos. In the NFL, and with the way the Panthers' secondary kind of is right now, you know there's definitely going to be some growing pains there. They're going to be in trouble if that Chargers offense gets moving. And then the Chargers obviously have their own dynamite running back in Austin Eckler, who got a nice extension himself. And we saw the breakout he had, and now he's going to kind of be the leader of the bunch now that Melvin Gordon is in Denver. So they've got to try to slow down that offense, but I mean... On paper, you know, I've been touting some of these defensive picks, but again, it's it's going to take time, I think, for all these players to gel. This isn't going to be an elite defense overnight, and then when you run into a strong offense, that, that's why the Panthers, I think, are going to struggle, too, because it's not just the Chargers, but I mean, we're talking this entire division uh, this Panthers team has to face has really beefed up on the offense. I mean, you've got speed everywhere in this division especially on the offensive side of the football so uh it's it's gonna be rough sledding i think for the panthers but hey uh appreciate you joining with me on this ultimate division crossover i definitely believe both fan bases learned a lot today and uh best of luck uh the rest of the year hopefully we get able able to watch football and uh you know we'll see how things go but thanks for joining me man Uh, It was a pleasure, Dave. This was definitely a lot of fun. And, yeah, to everyone listening, just stay safe. And, uh, you know, here's hoping that we uh, get some live football come September. But uh, pleasure doing this with you, man. All right. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 